If it's medicine, ideally it helps to rectify the underlying imbalance that is causing those troubling symptoms in the first place. And if you rectify that underlying imbalance, then the symptoms will go away. It might take a while to rectify that uh, imbalance, but in Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture as well, we're always aiming to rectify the root cause of the issue. We don't just do symptomatic treatments. We do have tools for treating symptoms, but we're always looking to try to understand, okay, where did that symptom come from? Because we know even if we get rid of the kind of branch, you know, to use a sort of sure. um, a plant metaphor, yeah. you know, if we, if we get rid of the branch, but we haven't addressed the root of the issue, soon enough some other branch is going to manifest. It's so common, I think anyone in medicine will have had this experience. We were talking about type 2 diabetes earlier, right? right, right. And, you know, you can treat the branch by giving someone a medication, or you can actually get to the root of the issue and say, you know, what's actually going on? Welcome back to another Rest, Eat, Move podcast. This is Chris today. Matt's, uh, I don't know what Matt's doing, maybe taking a, a day off or getting a little rest, or I don't know what he's doing. But And today I have a really, um, I think, a very interesting discussion with Aiden Kiva. And I heard about Aiden from Irene. And Irene is uh, my massage therapist at Creative Wellness. And Irene has been in the space a long time like myself. She's in her 60s. And she is just a, a ball of energy and knowledge. And, and we were talking about seasons of life. And it was just ironic. I'm on the massage table, believe it or not. And we we're just talking about different things. And her and I have these amazing conversations sometimes. And then she talked about Aiden. And she talked about Aiden and his training with the Creative Wellness team. And I really started piquing my curiosity, and I kept thinking, well, we got to get this guy in the house. And so she said, well, let, me, let me see if we can make this happen. So we're making it happen, and this today is the day. So welcome to Ontario Living, and um, really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And I want to begin just a little bit about, you know, give the give the listeners, viewers, uh, a little bit about yourself, what you're doing right now. I think you're going to Indonesia. Is that correct? I am. Yeah, I'm about to move to Bali. Wow. Yeah. So let's go back in time and like, you know, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, how'd you get in this space? Yeah. So I grew up in the Chicago area, and um, and then have sort of been moving around the East Coast the last 10, 15 years. I originally became interested in Chinese medicine while I was in undergrad, and um, in undergrad I was a philosophy major actually, uh, very interested in Eastern philosophy specifically, and, and got into a number of Western philosophers who were sort of into the body. By and large, Western philosophy has not been particularly embodied um, for, th- for much of the last uh, few hundred years, uh, but some modern philosophers have, have started to take the body very seriously. and. It was sort of in that context that I found a very skilled Chinese medicine practitioner who, um, who sort of, kind of transformed my life, uh, and that's a whole that's a whole story in, in itself. Um, but that was kind of the gateway for me. I never really decided to pursue Chinese medicine as a career. I just was amazed by what it did for my health and my healing, and I, um, and I just had to know more basically. It, it was it was such weird stuff. It was so weird coming from uh, 
sort of this cultural context. It didn't, it didn't really make sense. From the United uh, States, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it just, yeah, it sort of blew my mind and profoundly changed me on uh, both kind of a physical level, but also sort of mentally and psychologically. So, so you, okay, so I'm a uh, philosophy major, and yes. all of a sudden I started looking more into Eastern medicine. Mm-hmm. And I started stumbling on some of this stuff. And how did you just stumble on the person you were trained with? I was I had an old friend who had Crohn's disease, and she was uh, she worked as a, a counselor at a school, and she was barely able to go to work for many years. She was in the hospital once or twice every month um, with flare-ups, really severe flare-ups. And I don't know how she found out about this practitioner, but she started going to this this very skilled practitioner and. No was more flare-ups. This, N- this was actually in. I was in living in Vermont at the time. Okay. And this was in Western Massachusetts, and um, this practitioner was was quite skilled. And so I heard about about them through my friend. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's just sort of the, the kind of person I am. Whenever I hear about anything like that, I'm like, I gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. I gotta know more. Um, and I was dealing with some health issues at the time uh, that were pretty significant, and I had gone to many different specialists, and nothing had been. You weren't real happy with what was. I going was on. not. I mm-hmm. was not. You know, so the conventional approach had just made things worse. Sure. And um, so I, I, I gave this person a shot, and everything relatively quickly transformed. So that really yeah. got you excited, energized yeah. about kind of learning more about. Um, Eastern medicine and all, totally. of, all of the above. Yeah. So, t- so tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. In my life? Yeah. Um, well, I am, so I've, I've been kind of full-time clinician for the last few years, and I am right now kind of stepping away from that temporarily. So as a clinician, what were you doing? Uh, well, I'm an uh, acupuncturist and right. herbalist so and a doctor of Chinese medicine. So, doc- so acupuncture, yeah. doctor of Chinese medicine, you've been doing that as a practitioner for... How long? For uh, for about five years. Okay. Yeah. So I did my graduate training shortly after undergrad and um, got my master's and doctorate in Chinese medicine and um, have just been practicing full time since then. Since then. Yeah. And then you're in the process of going to Indonesia. I am. Yeah. So so my interest, my training is a little different than most acupuncturists in the U.S. Actually, in I guess in the world. Um, Chinese medicine has a complex history in the 20th century, largely because it was kind of reformatted by uh, kind of in the Maoist era. Started a little earlier with the nationalists, but, uh, but it really was, it, from the 1950s onward, radically altered. The whole system was radically altered to fit more of a Western medical model, more of a kind of uh, sort of Western materialist view of, of life and reality, and um, to be incorporated into the Chinese healthcare system uh, in that way. And then during the Cultural Revolution, um, many of the uh, traditional doctors were actually, some of them were killed. Um, it, was a, it was not a hospitable uh, sort of social environment for Mm. Chinese medicine. Mm. And so Chinese medicine still is alive and widely practiced today, but the forms of Chinese medicine that are practiced are, um, are, are kind of heavily Westernized. Okay. Um, and, and, and this is, this is my bias, far less effective, far less effective. Um, it's a little more homogenized than versus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've, it's sort of, it's been, 
you know, for for 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, however long, long you know, time. for a long time, Chinese medicine was the medicine in China. Right. And so it was used to treat everything. You know, mm. that's not to say that every practitioner in China, in, in China was good at it, uh, cer- right. certainly, but um, it's a profound tradition. And and it's it's very effective um, when it's used by someone who has, has the right training and, and knows what they're doing. And in modern times, it has sort of been, it's been given a backseat to the dominant medicine of our global culture right? for various different reasons. Um, so is this yeah. what's taking you to Indonesia? It, sort of, in a roundabout sort of way. Obviously, Indonesia is not, is not China. Um, <laughs> I am going to, to Bali to train with a teacher of mine who is uh, a kind of expert in Taoist arts specifically. Mm. So historically... Chinese medicine has been really deeply linked with the Taoist tradition, uh, also Buddhist traditions to a certain extent, um, but especially Taoist, Taoist traditions and practices. Okay. And um, in my my path, I have sort of followed these kinds of strains of more classical medicine, kind of pre nineteen fifties Chinese medicine, and the types of medicine that I've mostly studied come out of Taoist lineages. Okay. So let's let's dive into that real quickly. So sure. let, let's again. So again, you you have a lot of different directions we can go here. Yeah. But let's begin a little bit about Chinese medicine's view of health. Yeah, great. That's that's a great place to start. Um, it's in part because I think what we want to talk about today is sort of seasons of life and and healing and being healthy through those seasons of life. It's hard to really do that if we don't have a working definition of health. What is health? Yeah, because I think the seasons of life is a, and this is what Irene and I were talking about. But I have, you know, I'm 65 years old, and I've been doing this a long time. But it's interesting. Some of the friends and colleagues of mine are still doing. They're trying to do the same type of training. Yeah. The same type of stuff, and I'm like, hey, you kind of have to listen to your body more, and this is that, and this is Absolutely. where Irene and I got this conversation going. That, you know, because she said, you know, you really spend a lot of time focusing on enough, you know, space, enough recovery or enough rejuvenation. And I go, well, yeah, I, I, if I don't do that, I, I, I lose my way from a health standpoint. So anyway, Absolutely. that's, so the seasons of life, which that's kind of what we started talking about, yeah, yeah. which, you know, brought us to you. So, so yeah, so let's, yes. let's dive so into that a in, little bit. In, you know, in, in that sense, it, there's many ways of, of defining health, you know, and I think our culture, because we have a sort of dominant notion of what it means to be healthy. The Chinese medical view of health is really has to do with change. It has to do with how we ad- adapt or do not adapt to change mm, in our I lives. Like that. Yeah, and uh, and that is in a sense the essence of health. The essence of health is how is is whether we can adapt to change. Uh, and so illness is is the opposite, right? Illness is when we struggle to adapt to change something, whether on a mental or physical, uh, mental or physical level, we are unable to adapt to the changes of our lives. Because really, what life is, is a process of change. There's nothing really static or stable about being a human being. Not really, you know? We have, we have rhythms and uh, rhythms to our lives that can sort of repeat repeat themselves, but ultimately we just grow and transform from birth to death. You know, to be a human being is to be a verb, not to be a noun. Well, it's interesting you said that from the beginning. If you really thought about that, from the beginning to the end, 
We're always changing. Always changing. Constantly changing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So if I can't adapt to change, I'm probably going to be in trouble. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I think about a lot is is this idea of health as a re- or healing as a return to a homeostatic state, mm. you know, which is often how we talk about things. You know, homeostasis right. is kind of put held up as as sort of the state of I'm health. Back to normal. Right. And of course, there's something to that, right? Like the idea of healing as a as a return to a previous state, it makes sense. Like sometimes that's our experience when we're sick. We're like, man, I want to go back to my old self. But there's also something about that notion that is maybe not quite right, certainly not from a Chinese medicine perspective. If you look at what homeostatic really means, you know, homeo means similar, and static means unchanging. And if we really want to heal, we can't actually go back to some kind of some kind of stable state that we were previously in. A, we never really were in a, pre- a stable state because life is this process of change and right. growth. Yeah, you really redefine that static position when we weren't static for the for, at the beginning. Totally. And so to heal really is actually to evolve. It's to grow. If you if you get sick and you go back to who you were or your state prior to sickness, you're going back to the state that predisposed you to sickness in the first place. So um so it's it's a it's it can seem like just a semantic issue, you know, how how do we talk about health? What is health? But I think it's it's quite relevant, especially to a discussion about seasons of life because mm-hmm. what what seasons are are processes of change, you know. Right. And um, recognizing that. Yeah, we're always changing and to the extent that we adapt to those changes, and we are And when you compare let's well. say you're talking about Chinese medicine to you know, western medicine, kind of give the listeners viewers a little bit about so st- some people don't they're not even aware of this but you know give me your your thoughts on you know the big differences between these sort of medical traditions yeah medical cr- yeah so you were talking about hey before 1950 you know this is what it used to be now mm-hmm. it's getting be more westernized still some of the influence of chinese medicine but you know or where we're going because this is the stuff we face every day Absolutely, the way yeah. people are being treated and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have to kind of peel the onion back. Let's understand the power of food and rest and all this stuff we're, we're going to be talking about in just a second. But I have to kind of almost like let's start from the beginning. Yeah. You know, if you have acid reflux, the answer is not taking a Tums or Prilosec or Nexium. The answer is fixing the gut and why is the gut out of balance and how do we make the gut better in the future? Absolutely. You know, all the stuff you're talking about. So yeah. it's a change. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, I think it's tricky. It's hard to talk about whole medical traditions because there's obviously many different approaches within the realm of medicine, sure. Western medicine, many approaches within the realm of Chinese medicine, but maybe it's worth highlighting a few kind right. of key differences. Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Yeah. Just a couple. Yeah. Um, so one, one is, uh, you could... One big difference, maybe two two big differences. One is the way that we, like the metaphors we even use to talk about the body. So Western medicine, as modern Western medicine, has really evolved out of a machine metaphor where we conceptualize the body as a machine. And of course, there's a lot of strength to this metaphor. This, um, I mean, perf- quite a lot of strength. And it's enabled the development of all sorts of technologies for probing and investigating the body. And... Uh, r- relating to the body in, in some useful ways. 
but it also has some significant drawbacks, right? Uh, a machine, you can generally fix one part of a machine without affecting the other parts of the, ma the machine. It's not really how the body works, right? The body is more of a kind of fully interconnected organism where if you intervene on one level, it sort of ripples out and affects the whole. Um, the machine metaphor is also not ideal in the sense that it doesn't acknowledge what we were just talking about, which is this process of change, right? A machine doesn't evolve. I mean, maybe some modern AI has some kind <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, that's that's not my area of expertise. Me but either. But uh, a machine, <laughs> you know, as, as we conventionally think of it, is not a is not a process of transformation. It's not a it's not a it's a thing. It's an object, and um, arguably the body's not just a, a an object. It's not just a thing. It's a it's so a I verb. I think those are two really dynamic, profound ways to look at it. So it's not an isolation. You know, you have this problem. There's it's systemic. It's you know the mind and body are all connected. And the list goes on. Yeah. And then number two. It's not. We're not evolving into the change model. So if you Absolutely. look at those two things, that that would. I mean, that would. Those are two powerful ways to look at. The they differences. are. And to just riff off of what you what you just said, I mean, this issue of mind and body relationship with mind and body. That is a perhaps the the most profound difference between kind of modern Western medicine and classical Chinese medicine, as well as sort of traditional medicines throughout the world for for much of human history. Um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't this dichotomy of mind and body mm -hmm. that was so so dominant in medicine. Today we have you know we have a physician for your physical body, and we have a psychologist or psychiatrist for your psyche. Um, and of course, there's many good reasons to separate out care in that way. Um, mm -hmm. But when we separate out care in that way, we also often miss the deep kind of profound I interconnectedness of these well, different things. interesting. My wife and I were talking about this last thoughts. night, but, you know, one of the things we always talk about here at Ontario Living is motion creates positive emotion. Mm. And cool, so, I like that. And so if you, you can just get people to move a little bit, they're positive. It, everything starts to change very quickly. Right. And then understanding the gut is a garden. If the gut's not healthy, it yeah. doesn't produce the right hormones. And the next thing you know, that is affecting my mind. And so... It kind of all, I mean, when you start really getting into it, you know, if my stress is high, we're looking at our world today, a lot of anxiety out there, you know, you got to have to understand stress and it's physical. We go through that whole litany versus a lot of people, hey, just tell us what to eat. I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's, there's much more to this to have you ideally adapt and grow, right? Absolutely. Versus just being, okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what to eat, but you're not really understanding that right. whole body mind everything goes together totally and that attitude that's just like just tell me what to eat or just give me the pill of course it's understandable when we're suffering we want a quick fix but that attitude really does it links in with this kind of machine metaphor right like i'm just this mechanical thing give me the the right input so that things are reor you know reorganized and then it's all it's all good as opposed to understanding health and healing as a process and a, a kind of a, pr a profound journey, you know, a journey right. of growth that doesn't just involve my kind of physicality, but involves my mind, involves the way that I think, the way that I relate to things. I mean, arguably, it's a different thing to, even if you're eating the, the greatest food in the world, it's a different thing to eat that food with a lot of awareness of your body, to be engaging your mind in the process, or to just be scarfing that food food down without a thought. Those are those have different physiological effects. 
and they certainly have different effects well, on your mental state. <laughs> Sometimes I, I catch myself, you know, scarfing things down too quickly or whatever. Yeah, but me too. <laughs> really not, ex- you know, the chewing and the experience. And, you know, sometimes we'll step, ba- step back and say, if you had to explain to somebody what an orange tasted like or a pear, and you really savor that, and people are like, I don't like the taste of the, you know, our palates have changed, whatever. But there's so much to that mm. where, where you're now you're experiencing things and, yeah, it, it's just interesting you said that. I'm like, that that triggers, like, a lot of people are not even aware of that. I mean, this is why we're having this t- conversation, that at least start having these conversations that the human body is not in isolation. The mind and body are all connected. The body's in constant change. I mean, I look at myself, and I'm like, am I as strong and fast and as what I was when I was 25? No. But sometimes there's some good things that I'm doing that I wasn't, Way back in the day, I didn't really have the skill, you know, I would say even 15 years ago to quiet my mind like I can today. You know, I, I think my, I have better, sometimes I think I have better health today than I did. You know, maybe I'm not as fast and strong and all that stuff, but there's other things that have definitely grown with me in, in, in this, this journey that I'm on. Um, and I think that's sometimes people are not aware of that. They just feel like I'm just aging and I'm deteriorating. Reality is you can continue to grow in different ways. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, recognizing a multiplicity of ways of being healthy, ways of growing, ways of changing, because arguably every season of our life's journey, yeah, there, it has, there are more kind of relative strengths and weaknesses, right? right? You can't do, you can't, <laughs> you can't, act like a 15 year old when you're 75 well you can you can try you know but <laughs> my wife says i kind of do that sometimes <laughs> anyway, but yeah so let's let's get into the seasons of life i think that's really you know the conversation today and yeah i, I think you know you and i when we talked on the phone we talked about the yin and the yang yes and maybe you could you know educate the listeners a little bit more about the yin and the yang many people are aware of it but you know, where do we want to go with that, with the yin and the yang and seasons of life? So kind of explain a little bit about that. Sure. So yin and yang are very broad concepts used throughout Chinese philosophy and also in Chinese medicine. And um, in order to understand what they're being used to, re- you sort of have to understand what they're, what the context is they're used within in order to understand what phenomena they're referring to. But on the most basic level, yin and yang represent kind of dynamic relationships, a way of understanding the intertransformation of different processes. And um, yang is the kind of active force. It is associated with light. It's associated with movement. It's associated with daytime. Um, it's associated with a kind of rising of energy, whereas yin is the sort of more passive force. It's associated with sinking of energy, contracting, darkness, rest, um, a kind of relative absence of activity. And so health, uh, from one perspective, is kind of working with the balance of yin and yang. In Chinese medicine, they say that everything, all of clinical practice can be brought back to just reharmonizing yin and yang. Of course, that gets quite complex. Um, you can, <laughs> because every organ system of the body has yin, has a yin aspect, a yang aspect. Um, really, anything in our lives we could divide in in this way. It's basically a way of just describing duality on a fundamental level. Um, but uh, in terms of our discussion today, it's it's about these kind of different forces and different parts of our lives are going to be more yin or more yang relative to others. So when, when I looked at the yang, I was looking at, so I just wrote some definitions here. 
but you know, you just said an active yin is passive, um, heaven, earth, mm. function, substance. Yes. Um, outside, inside, mind, body, masculine, feminine, light, mm-hmm. dark, time, space, hot, cold. Um, new, old. New, old. Um, <laughs> I just went through this whole thing. And then, you know, then we get into the foods. Uh, I think I think we'll just touch base on this real quickly, but I looked at, you know, young foods are red, orange, yellow, um, and then the, the yin foods are blue, green, and purple. And so yeah. you kind of, you know. In terms of c- the colors associated correct, with these things. Right, yeah, the colors, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of foods, it's... Uh, it it's more, much obviously, much more complicated. Much than that more complicated. I just want to throw that out there because again, I don't want to lose people yeah, with this yeah. here because you know there's so much to this. Yeah, but yeah. the point where you're it's talking worth about mentioning is in terms of foods, it's more worth mentioning thermal properties. Correct. So we we think about hot Summer. foods or cold foods. Yeah, cooling or warming. Yes, and yeah. so of course, warmth and heat would be associated with yang, whereas right. cool and cold would be associated with Correct. yin. Yeah. Yeah, this is the whole thing. Like you know, one's energizing, one's more, um, you know. Uh, descending of energy so it's in- yeah. it's interesting cooked foods raw foods so right. but there's but my point was is I, I there's a lot to this there's a lot to this yes so so again we don't want to confuse everybody but just understanding i think what you mentioned is really the key is is bringing the balance back right it's all about recognizing balance. yeah recognizing that maybe i'm a little bit out of balance and what do i need to do you know like what, one of the things we do sometimes i'll bring People in here, we do private training. We do retreats where we bring groups in and small groups, and we'll, the the list goes on. But if I'm, I remember Dr. Phil Nuremberger. He was a guy you would love. This guy, he's mm. one of our one of my mentors, and you know he did a lot of training in you know eastern part of the world, and he's one of my mentors on stress. But I remember he would used to do sleep training, mm. and he would bring these different companies in, but predominantly financial services, and we would do breathing and sleep training. Hmm. And he would kind of coach me before, and he goes, I got to, and he would point them out. He would say, this person, this person, this person, this person is really going to be squirming on the floor in a little bit. Because hmm. he could recognize, all they wanted to do was go 900 miles an hour, how fast can I work out, how intense, whatever. Right. He's trying to bring them, you know, slow everything down. And they yeah. had a really hard time. And so sometimes I'll sit down with my clients. I'm like, we don't need you to do more red line, high intensity training. We need to have you slow down and recover and do more restorative movements. Right. Be more yin. Be more yin. Be more yin. Yeah. And so it, it kind of evolves, whether it's food or movement, whatever. But starting to recognize your tendencies, like maybe I need more of this. Totally. And, and less of that. And each per, each individual will have a different kind of balance or imbalance. Absolutely. Some people constantly, uh, constantly could, in growth. Yes. Yeah. Change. Some people tend to be a little more yin and could use a little more yang right. activity. Right. You know, they, need to, they need to move more. So one of the things Other I people was thinking, get ready for this interview with you, I'm going to try to do a little bit better job with if I'm bringing a group in or I might try to do some type of exercise just to create awareness. Mm of the differences and just so where they can recognize themselves. And when they do get out of balance, you know, maybe they need a little bit more of this mm-hmm. and, and, or, and less of this. So that's anyway, great. Yeah, I, that's I, great. I kind of 
thought about that. There's a few things that I think are worth highlighting about this. You know, one is when you go down that list, you look at the things in the yang category and the yin category. And then you think about our culture and what we value as a culture. Which which category do we do okay. we value more? It's the yang times 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We are all about you know, I mean, in sense, you know, growth, growth is young, right? Mm-hmm. We want to grow forever and, and, you know, never, we want to be young forever. We want to uh, be awake forever, right? We have synthetic young uh, <laughs> electric lighting, right? This is a, it's a bit of an unnatural <laughs> situation, right? Most of human, you know, most of our time as human beings. So that conversation I yeah. will definitely have speaking in the future. Yeah. I just did a CFO group, um, top 400 CFOs mm. in Boston recently. And it was interesting, all the emails I started getting in like a couple of days later. And I remember that talking about this, because you met, these are CFOs of large, large oh, organizations, yeah. right? These are going to be very young people. Lots yeah. of young people. And so one of the things I said, I want you to be intentional about your rest. And that hit a nerve mm. with a lot of people. They thought, I've never, ever thought about being intentional about my rest or my yin. Right, right. We're not really taught to be. Not taught to be. Yeah. That, in fact, it's not even, it's frowned upon Yeah. that I need to have more rest, rejuvenation, right. recovery, repair. Right. People say, what? I'll rest when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which so, is, yeah. yeah. So let's continue this conversation a little bit about seasons of life. So. What are some of the things you would like to share with the listeners? I know you were doing some really cool stuff with, with Irene and your creative wellness team. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you like yeah, to take right. this? I was, I was teaching a, a, a kind of seminar. Um, well, I think it could be interesting to explore these, these dynamic concepts of yin and yang with regards to these seasons of life because you can map different seasons of life onto um, or map yin and yang onto these seasons. So, for instance... Um, kind of birth, right? Birth would be kind of a movement from yin into yang. And so you sort of have this almost kind of like uh, sine, sine curve of a, of a life cycle, right? Where yang grows, right? We're born into the world. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of activity. You know, we go through puberty. We are, we're growing. And then yang sort of reaches its apex in, in kind of, you know, our, our middle age, we sort of reach full maturity. And then yang starts to decrease relatively and yin starts to grow. And this same cycle occurs on many different levels, right? It, not just in the life cycle as a whole, but in other smaller cycles in our lives. For instance, a day has that cycle, right? The sun rises and yang grows. Yang reaches its apex at high noon as the sun is, you know, at the top of the sky. And then yang sort of declines and yin grows and then we find ourselves at full yin at uh at midnight and so uh, i love that i've really never been i've never really thought about it that way yeah that's that's that is profound in my just i mean my little brain like yeah so the apex is at noon yep and then it's the apex of yang and then the apex is at midnight it will very middle of the night right yep, middle yep. of the night and you couldn't even um tr- like lunar cycles would be thought of that way mm. right the full yeah. moon would be the apex yep. of yang the new moon uh, apex of yin and chinese medicine that's very relevant especially for working with women on menstrual issues so um, the f- full moon is is yang is yang yeah yeah that's why like traditionally they would uh, say it's uh, ideal for women's ovulating if 
at that that time because that's the yang activity got it you know and then menstruating around the full moon or new moon um and then you can map that cycle onto the uh, year as a whole, right? So the springtime is that kind of initial growth of yang from yin into yang, right? Winter into spring. And then yang reaches its apex in the middle of the summer when the days are the longest, right? So there's the most light, there's the most growth, the most activity. And then yang starts to decrease. We move into the autumn and, you know, the energy of the environment starts to kind of contract and go inward. And then we find ourselves in the middle of winter. The Basically, the winter solstice would be the apex of yin the summer solstice would be the apex of yang so we're coming into that pretty soon yeah well we just we just passed that we just had the apex yeah. of yin recently right, and so it, right. now the days we we had our shortest day our, our most our yin are, day our days in fact we're and just now talking about that. Our days are getting longer they're getting longer so we're we're starting to expand outward again we're starting mm. to move back into yang and so in a sense there's this kind of analogous relationship between the kind of beginning of the day you know dawn and and kind of birth and um, and the springtime, right? Because those are all the kind of growth of yang. Got it. The and growth. there's this sort of analogous relationship between sort of the the middle of the day, high noon, yang is at its apex, and the middle of the summer and uh, the middle of our lives in a sense, um, the kind of full full expression and maturity. So when you go to like you know you've been around, but like when I went, to, I remember the first time I really spent some time in Europe. And everybody's taking a you know nap in the afternoon. Yes. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, see, don't they understand that we can make be selling you know stuff? But in the I had that mentality from the United States. Why would they be taking a break, right? For you know two or three hours in the afternoon. Well, it makes a lot of sense from a Chinese medicine perspective in that after that apex of yang, there's this sort of drop in the energy as yang starts to decline and yin starts to grow, and it's right around then in the kind of early afternoon, mid afternoon that people are often taking those naps to, right. to sort of honor that like, kind of gosh, little I, lull I in the energy. I love this whole philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's cool, huh? Yeah. yeah. I always remember uh, there was uh, like uh, we got done eating lunch and then there was this this like this whole street market and everybody's, it's closed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, w- why would it be closed in the, in the middle of the day? Well, it wasn't really the middle of the day. It was, you know, two or three in the afternoon, but it was all... You know, and I, it just hit me that I knew about it, but I didn't really experience it before. Right, right. And I'm really, I'm like, no wonder they're more relaxed and they're having this and that because they're under, respecting that. Right. The, the, the mind and the body. Yeah. You asked about this class I've been teaching at Creative Wellness. And what I've been teaching about is what's called Yangshengfa, which are the sort of nourishing life teachings of Chinese mm. medicine, the, the kind of healthy lifestyle teachings. And much, much of those teachings uh, can really be understood as extrapolations on these principles. How do I live according to honoring these sort of l- these kind of cycles and flows of fluctuations of yin and yang? So, for instance, I'm going to want to have my larger meals in the first half of the day because okay. that's the yang time of day where like there's the most um, kind of metabolic. Uh, you know, the me- the metabolism is strongest because there's the most activity, most warmth, most more um, energy in the body. And often we do the opposite, right? Often we (laughs) eat really late at night, right? Which is the most yin time. And there's the least kind of metabolic strength. And so our bodies can't digest as well. And so we go to sleep and there's all this stagnation, basically. The food gets kind of stuck in our system. And it's interesting, you know, the holidays is passing, you know, I mean, we went, I wasn't on the Ontario living wagon for a couple 
week or so. But I remember how <laughs> crummy my sleep was because we're mm. eating late at night, not always the greatest stuff. And Right. It totally affects sleep. And then, sleep. you know, we get back into, we got our 21-day challenge going on and, you know, you start eating cleaner and the right timing. I'm not eating late and sleep has improved drastically quickly. My digestive systems improve. Energy's gotten better. Just feeling a lot, you know. It's crazy how you shift it's, one it's thing shifting. and it affects everything. Right. You know, one you shift. eat a little bit earlier in the right. day, just ate a little and a slightly smaller, Sm- slightly dinner smaller as opposed to as bigger yeah. breakfasts. All right, so that's a cool yeah. thing. What would be another one that you're sharing with those guys? That, I love well, that. Well, I mean, thinking about the sleep cycle, you know, when do we go to bed, and uh, understanding the kind of ebb and flow of, of yin yang with relationship to that. So, um, so you know, ideally, we're we're awake. With we wake with the sun and we sleep with the moon with the not with the moon with the mm-hmm. setting of the sun. Obviously, that doesn't mean that we n- have to go to sleep right when the sun sets, yeah. which is hard in the winter. But we're kind of honoring that, and so, so it's you're honoring not the, honoring the, the 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 timing and the yeah. So you know, it's not it's not ideal for our bodies to be up really late. One thing that we talk about a lot, I think, in our culture is quantity of sleep, but we don't talk too much about promoting quality of sleep. And mm. from a Chinese medicine perspective. The quality of sleep is not as good if you go to sleep too late in the night because you're because of that, right? Our bodies, yin and yang in our bodies are synced with yin and yang in the environment. And if it's really, really late at night, uh, we're kind of out of sync. So the you know how there's this there's this little this thing that happens where you're kind of getting tired at night and then you get this second wind. Uh, usually the second wind's around like 10, 1030, something like that. The suggestion is that we get to sleep before that second wind um, because our body will naturally produce a little more energy at that time, but we want that energy to be used to kind of feed the restorative process of sleep. You know, we we talk a lot about sleep pressure, and I don't think people talk much about that because if you're, you're, you know, listening to the body and the mind and everything else, like my dog Floyd, you don't have to tell Floyd when to go to sleep. As soon as it starts getting dark, he starts going into yin big time. Yeah, And so the same thing with us many times, you know, if we just left it alone, we weren't disturbed or whatever. I think most people really start to f- start to go into, y- you know, absolutely. This, and then all of a sudden here comes Netflix or, you know, we were talking about this in a sleep webinar not too long ago, but the greatest um, competition for sleep is Netflix. And so we started laughing about some of this stuff. Yeah. You can't keep doing the electronics and things like that because that's going to get you into that next cycle. Totally. I mean, it stimulates just that kind of bright light stimulates your body to produce right. all these hormones that right. just basically tell it right. it's daytime. Um, so I think that's yeah. a good a good thing to think about is if I can get to to start to getting into the sleep cycle, you know, it's it's a, and I I completely agree. It's not always about the quantity, it's about the quality. It's about the quality. And the quality is just not as good. Not as good. When you're not synced with those cycles. Not so I'm sure you've cycle. seen the the research on people who work night shifts oh yeah i I did a whole chapter in my book about sleep and it's and i worked at butternut bread my first one of my first jobs out of college and i was getting up at 2 30 a.m my first year marriage yeah and i was getting home at around six right and i was working like 80 hours and my body mentally and i was kind of like 27 26 years old physically in the probably the peak of my life Mm -hmm. and i've never i never felt so you know I had no energy, just no oomph in my life, and my sleep was just a mess. And it took me about six months to get my sleep cycle back mm. because I was getting up it so a long early. Time, yeah. It took me a long time. Yeah. So I, I completely, 
you know, yeah. agree about that. I mean, it's but, it's so sad, but you know, people who work night shifts for it's not. I think the research. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's not actually that long um, that someone has to just be working a night shift that their their life expectancy just oh, goes way way down. Oh, for I sure. I mean, way shorter lives. Yeah, and so again, yeah. sleep less, live live less. Yeah. So there's a lot to to do that. But I I love what you're talking about the quality of it. And again, you're not going to get good quality sleep even if you get the time, but it's later. Right, right. So, I, and if you want to get good quality sleep, you know, you you follow these principles. You you dim the lights at a certain time. You you let your body calm. A lot of the time, <laughs> I think these days, in in part because of the mechanical metaphor, we think of our bodies like they're these machines. We think that we're <laughs> just going to be able to, you know, shut them off like we're just flipping a switch. Now I'm awake. Now I'm asleep. But the body's like, screw you. That's not how I work, it's, you know? It's such, a, it's such a slow transition. Yeah, you have to calm the body. Yes, you have to relax yes. the body. You have to not be overstimulating your right. system. And then your body will kind of go into this deep place. You know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about space. And one of the things I always promote is an Epsom salt bath. Mm, and, you nice. know, at, the, at night, and if you've never done an Epsom salt bath, it's such an amazing way to help you you know, slow down and then yeah. you can, you know, slowly, you can just jump, you know, s- transition right into bed. And people are like, this is like magic. And I go, yeah, it doesn't cost a dime. Yeah. But it's taking you and really putting you in that. Right. So, to you know, sleep. Epsom salts from a Chinese medicine perspective are very cooling. And even actually there's people uh, will drink Epsom salts sometimes as a medicinal. And, um, and it's a very, very cooling herb. And so, of course, cooling is yin, right? Cooling clears that kind of excess heat from our bodies, which is going to hyperstimulate us, uh, keep us awake, and um, help us to, to kind of I mean, calm that's the down. whole thought yeah. behind temperature and sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you yeah. really, like what you're talking about, an Epsom salt cools my body, I'm going to create the temperature in the room, you're creating this ideal environment to allow you to recover right. more, more yin in there. Right. So many... So many people, especially Americans, have too much heat in their system from a Chinese medicine perspective just because they're too young. Right. Yeah, too young. And those heat, you know, hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, I mean, it just, that's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yes. Yeah. And if it's going all day long, you yeah. can't, you're not going to be able to rest, sleep. Right. And so I'm looking at electronics, we're stimulating that light, the list goes on. Right. What other things have you been teaching at Creative Wellness? So a part of this whole series. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've been talking about these principles and along with these principles, sometimes we, we get a little more philosophical and talk about, um, you know, these questions of like, what is health overall? And what is, and, you know, why, why are we engaging in this process of kind of cultivating our health ultimately? You know, one thing, we did a whole class on, um, on death, actually, because death in this cycle, of course, is the most yin. Right. right. That's the apex of yin. Y- yep. And it, it, it's uh, the end. Yep. It's the end. And in the sense that or in the way that, like we noted in our culture, we're kind of we're sort of averse to yin aspects of life. Right. We don't we don't get enough sleep. We don't really want to calm down and slow down. Uh, we're quite averse to death, you know. And um, but from a Chinese medicine perspective, death is just another change. Right. It's another change to be adapted to. Often in modern culture, we relate to death like it's pathological, like it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just the breaking of a machine, right, to use that machine metaphor. And so there's nothing good about the breaking of a machine. 
But if you think about life in this more with this more organic metaphor, right, where this organism, we're like a plant, you know, that that you know uh, comes alive in the spring and then sort of dies off in the winter and then presumably comes alive again next spring, um, and life is just this cycle. There's nothing inherently problematic about death. It's totally possible to die in a completely healthy way from a Chinese medicine perspective. It's just a matter of not resisting change. You know, death is something that will happen to all of us. Right. And we can die healthy, right? We can. Well, uh, that's kind of the ultimate goal, I think. Yeah. Is to, you know, what what my last day on, you know, this earth is, is I'm pretty vibrant. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. You know, so we did an exercise one time. It's what do you want the last week, two weeks, month, year of your life to look like versus just the time? Mm. Forget about the time. Right, want, right. Quality you, versus quantity. What's the quality right? look like? Yeah. You know, I don't really care to be heavily medicated in a hospital for the last six months of my life. You know, I don't really, that's I, not, I'm not interested in prolonging it. I'm interested in the quality of it. Absolutely. And so when you're talking about the, what is, what is health, um, sometimes we just look at, I'm just alive. But what really, what does that mean? Yeah. Am I thriving or just surviving? Am I thriving or am, or am I surviving? How am I, How is what I'm doing in my life going to hold up at the end of my life, you know, right. when I look back on all this? So um, part of your teachings, so when you're sitting down with somebody, you know, when you're looking at this big picture, what are some of the things you try to bring out? I mean, I think the, the meal thing is fantastic, the sleep. Um, is there st- other things you like to kind of throw out there? Like, okay, let's get back to the seasons of life just for a second. When I mentioned to you about why, you know, like if you looked at some, like I'll just use me as an example. When you look at, I think you were talking about, was it 64 years old? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can t- that's a great, great thing to talk about with, along with Seasons of Life. So let, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause, so yeah. you, put a, you put a number to that. I had to <laughs> laugh and I... Yeah, so I'll, I'll explain that. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So um, it's not 64 for everyone. So the idea is um, Chinese medicine, as, as you're probably uh, aware from the way I'm talking, is very concerned with cycles, right? Because it's about helping our system adapt to change. And so our life is these cycles of change. Cycles. I love the and cycles of change. Yeah. And um, one cycle uh, in that's discussed in, in classical Chinese medical texts are what are called cycles of seven and eight. So the idea is that women's bodies... Uh, tend to unfold and go through processes of growth and maturity in cycles of seven, men's in cycles of eight. Mm. And of course, this doesn't mean that every single woman's cycles are seven and every single man's are eight. Um, It's just sort of expressing that it's almost kind of this sort of numerological thing embedded in our, in our, um, our genes for lack of a better term. And it, what it means is that women go through slightly faster developmental processes which okay. is true right women um start men you know sure. menstruate a little yep. bit earlier than men go through puberty um women uh women mature slightly faster and and men slightly slower and that these cycle these are like big cycles of life seven and eight um for a woman right a woman would menstruate around the age of 14 it was was the sure. sort of assumption yeah for wi- some women it's a lot earlier for some some women it's it's later because from a Chinese medicine perspective, we have so much heat in our system right now. 
uh, women's periods are actually starting to come earlier and earlier. earlier. Mm -hmm. um, that would be because of the kind of hyperstimulation and the heat, uh, which is from all sorts of things, the, our diets, our, right. our lifestyles, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but that's the basic idea. And then when a woman has gone through seven cycles of seven, that would be around the age of menopause, okay. which would be 49. Okay. And um, when a man has gone through eight cycles of eight, that would be 64, or around 64. Um, that would be kind of sort of and andropause. It's understood to be a kind of one full cycle of what's called the, the jing, which is sort of um, kind of denser sort of energetic substances in the body. And... Um, and so when one has gone through the, that whole cycle, that's sort of a big deal from a Chinese medicine perspective. We don't, you know, we don't really honor the aging process in our culture. I right. think it's fair to say. We don't honor the yin aspect of life. But uh, traditional cultures throughout the world did. Um, elders were th looked to as sources of profound wisdom and guidance. And, um, and the aging process was understood uh, not just to be pathological, but to be but to be a potentially a gift. And so menopause, I think, is a good example. Um, menopause is often sort of patho pathologized in our culture. Uh, it's looked at as just a, an unfortunate thing that happens to women that they should, um, you know, I, I mean, take often take hormones to just pretend that they didn't go through it or something like that, <laughs> uh, which is one, that's one approach, you know. Um, but there are, there are other approaches. And really what, what menopause is from a Chinese medicine perspective, on the most fundamental level, it's a switch in polarity of yin and yang. Mm -hmm. So I, don't, I hope this isn't going too, too no, into detail about yeah. Chinese medical theory. But basically, um, part of the reason why women often experience hot flashes, more trouble sleeping, those sorts of things, is because at that time they have a little bit less yin. And so the yang can kind of flare up and create this heat, Got basically, it. is the idea. And so when you treat someone who's having those uh, symptoms, which honestly, it's pretty easy to treat with Chinese medicine, um, you just nourish yin. You nourish yin and you clear some heat. And uh, Chinese herbal medicine is extraordinarily effective for treating So let's menstrual. stop there just for let's a quick second. Quick, yeah. So you just said, which I, and this is me, this is gold, is you nourish yin. You nourish yin, yeah. Specifically so, for that process. Yeah. So, so give me a couple ways to nourish yin. Well, obviously there's like medical things you can do, right? Yeah. Which is what I do for my clients. Yeah. But in terms of one's life cycle or, or lifestyle, um, yeah, you're looking at your sleep cycle. Sleep cycle. You're looking at how, um, how much time you spend, you know, or with yourself. Yep. You're, so you're going inward. Stillness. Yeah, mm -hmm. stillness is yin, right? And um, the menopause and, and andropause, um, in Chinese medicine or Chinese culture, they, they call these the second spring. So it's a, a rebirth of sorts. Got it. And it's actually traditionally thought of as a very spiritual process, spiritual so time. So and the reason for that is because for much of one's life, the idea is that they are sort of using up their life force to support things outside of themselves. Mm. You know, for a woman, they're, they can literally give birth mm -hmm. or they're, they're kind of putting their energy into others, supporting their partner or, or their sure. kids or, right. or society as a whole. And, and for a man, too, you know, we use our energy externally. At this time, though, the idea is that 
ideally, one is actually switching to be more inwardly focused, to be nourishing the spirit or, or nourishing a kind of deeper part of one's being, where, of course, you're still supporting, uh, you know, supporting others, uh, but your but I, primary I, I, focus is actually yeah, and I love that aligning because, with again, yourself. I find, and again, yeah. it's not everybody, but many women, you know, I'm married to a Lebanese woman for 40 years, hmm. um, and a lot of it's been taking care of everybody, taking care of the family, the kids, yeah. whatever. But now it's my time. Now it's my time, yeah. And that is healthy. It should be. It should be. It should be. We don't honor that so much, I think. We need to honor that. We do need to honor mm-hmm. that. And I that's like that. that's really important. And we have we will have healthier elders Correct. when we honor them, we allow them the space right. to do that. Allow uh, them yeah. the space and and then it's not judged and no, so and support them in support that. Support right? this, yes. Because there's deep wisdom to be gained in that right. turning inward. And of course, people can turn inward earlier in their lives too. Sure. If they're or if they're if that's what they're called to do through meditation and you know, right. spiritual practice and stuff like that. But especially at that age, the at that switch, um, it's thought to be a natural time to do that, and that also nourishes you in seeking that stillness within. Now, what other? Yeah. So one other thing here too. So. From your practice, besides the sleep and the stillness and, and being inwardly focused, is there anything you were talking about like herbs and foods? And is there anything from you, what, what you would recommend is maybe give a couple examples? Mm. In terms of diet or? Or whatever. What else? Yeah. What so part of your practice would you recommend? Whether it's yeah. acupuncture or... Yeah, acupuncture. So in terms of the modalities that I utilize yes. most, it's herbal medicine and acupuncture. Okay, so and herbal there medicines... Are yeah, there are a number of other modalities that I, I use, but those are the main ones. And um, and of course, and dietary counseling, dietary sure. therapy is a is a big piece. So, um, give me an example of some of the herbal stuff that you would recommend. Specific herbs? Yeah. So I, I'm hesitant to, hesitant to do that okay. because for a few different reasons. Because people are gonna. Uh, get <laughs> because because people try to take them. Yeah. Okay. And the <laughs> you don't have to save specific uh, yeah, ones, yeah. but you just so the, this is part of your practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I get it cuz people are like I so what I, I give no, what I yeah. give people are classical Chinese formulas, you yes. know, uh, modified uh, for the individual. Got it. The strength I think of the Chinese medical tradition is that there is no one size fits all treatment. Got it. So, so yeah, when I, someone I comes it, to me, I give them I make a formula specifically for them. Got it. And and it may be based on a classical formula, it might be a formula that was written 500 years ago, might be or a formula that was written 2000 years ago. I got it. But I'm always I'm always tweaking it to make it specifically for them for and what? what I see going on in their system. Got it. And um and in Chinese herbal medicine we very rarely use one single herb by itself because um there's this kind of complex wonderful art of understanding how herbs interact with each other. Mm. Um, so we'll use, if we use one herb that we know might have this kind of side effect, we actually have another herb to, to mediate that. And they're very, uh, elegantly crafted, very balanced. So again, formulas. back to, you know, this is truly medicine. Yeah, this is truly, right. We were talking about this. So, this right. We were talking earlier about, um, <laughs> this tendency to give people medications that they have to be on for the rest of their lives. Right. And this is from a Chinese medical perspective, that is not you can't really call us that medicine you can't call something that you have to be on your entire life in order to to benefit from it medicine because if it's medicine ideally it helps to rectify the underlying imbalance that is causing those troubling symptoms in the first place and if you rectify that underlying imbalance then the symptoms will go away 
it might take a while to rectify that uh, imbalance, but in Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture as well, we're always aiming to rectify the root cause of the issue. We don't just do symptomatic treatments. We do have tools for treating symptoms, but we're always looking to try to understand, okay, where did that symptom come from? Because we know even if we get rid of the kind of branch, you know, to use a sort of sure. um, a plant metaphor, yeah. you know, if we if we get rid of the branch, but we haven't addressed the root of the issue, soon enough some other branch is going to manifest. Right. And um, so I like that. I'm going to draw yeah. a little tree here because that's so true. Yeah, and you know, in terms of thinking about diet and lifestyle, often those are those can often be the root issues, right? Right. It's so common. I think anyone in medicine will have had this experience. You have someone come in. And, uh, you know, they have this troubling issue, but, but you know that if they just, if they change their sleep cycle or they, or they change, they just change their diet, that issue is, we were talking about type two diabetes earlier, right? Right, right? And, you know, you can treat the branch by giving someone a medication, or you can actually get to the root of the issue and say, you know, what's actually going on? Yeah. Here? Like Why we talk about diabetes happening? and, you know, it's a disease of the cell. And as the cell gets healthier, the the root, then then the diabetes starts to disappear. Versus if right. you're taking this med or that med, so right. Am I like, going to change my lifestyle and maybe <laughs> cut out pro- refined sugars, right. or am I going to just have exactly the same lifestyle and take a medication? Right. And I loved I loved your definition of a really is it rectifying the you know the imbalance. And if you're taking a medication that you have to be on the rest of your life, this is not really truly a medicine. Right, right. You know, I mean, the symptom killer, you know, short term, but not fixing the problem. Right. In fact, we were talking about this and we're going to talk more about this in our, one of our other podcasts. But, you know, some of the weight loss drugs that just recently came out that really are, um, you know, a, another form of diabetes. But now they're looking at how I can use that for weight loss. And reality is, is like I heard you know, they keep saying the same thing, but you have to be on it the rest of your life. I'm like, what, what is that? You know, so that's truly what something is that, that you I mean, one wanna... wonders what the side effects are too. And the side effects know, are Of being crazy. on something like that for the rest Yeah, of and they're saying there's not much side effects. And I'm like, ah, oh, the side effects are going to yeah. be so an, another another really big difference between medical traditions, right? Chinese medicine never really developed a notion of side effects in the way that we have in modern medicine. <laughs> in part because when you give someone... Uh, you know, herbs or, or you give them acupuncture or something, you're always taking into account not just the specific symptom you're treating, but the global health the of global, the quality or, or of the body. So how that's affecting the whole system. And so from that perspective, if you give someone something that maybe gets rid of a symptom, but causes an, an imbalance in the global health of the system, it's not really, it doesn't really work. Because yeah, now have, the whole yeah. the whole thing's you've created another imbalance, imbalance to treat one imbalance. Correct. That's that's this craziness sometimes. Yeah. I, I and I think well, you know, I mean, there's more and more. We need to wake up. Our society needs to wake up. That that's the whole thing. You start tipping the 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 scale in another direction. Right. And it's right. not gonna not I mean, gonna. A, what we call a side effect is just an effect right. that it's we effect. don't that we want to sort of. Right. Not pay as much attention to as the therapeutic effect. Right. Yeah, I remember one it's of the just an effect. One of the persons I was speaking with a while back and she was talking about let's get out of the mindset of side effects. It's an effect. 
effect. It's not a side effect. It's, it's an, an effect. effect. Yeah. Yeah. So. If we look at substances that way, we're going to end up looking at a lot of modern pharmaceuticals and they're not going to look quite as appealing as they did when we just focus on the therapeutic. And we have to really, I mean, effect. if we're going to change that, you has, it has to come from the people. Yeah. If you're not interested in that drug, things will start to change. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a piece, you've been bringing this up a lot, listening to the body. That's a, uh, you know, basic principle of Chinese medicine, especially basic principle of these kind of nourishing life teachings. That's the foundation for everything. So That's imagine the foundation if you could go health. back in time in school. Yeah. And let's just say it's, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, whatever. Can you imagine if we started teaching some of this stuff? Like a class on listening to the body. Yeah. I mean, well, how fun would that be? Well, think, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, right? We have, we all go through how many years of public education, like, or, or, you know, schooling? Sure. Like, I went through a lot of schooling, and you never, you learn how to think, right? You, people teach you how to, how to engage one really little kind of narrow sliver of your mind to just think about things. That's what all of our education system is based on. There's a lot more to being a human being than just thinking about things, right? There's there's listening to our to our gut, listening to our heart, listening to. Our, but again, I, I, I sometimes my know. son Matt said to me one time, Dad, if you could go back in time and change one thing, I go, I'd be the educational system at the beginning. You know, some really yeah. basic things and understanding how the mind and body work, and mm-hmm. I think it would be very. You can make it very engaging and very interesting, but that's a tool that I think everybody needs to know. I mean, if you could do that at the very beginning, you would, I mean, it would create so much, it's less pain and, you know, financially and emotionally and everything that comes with it. Um, and, and yeah. really to understand like this whole conversation here is a little bit about, and is, is recognizing the yang and the yin and, right. and cycles of our life. And I mean, all of this is just, is extrapolations out from listening to the body. You know, when when we can actually listen to our bodies, pay attention to what's going on within, um, also, you know, listen to our whole kind of self, we actually know these things, you know? we Right? When we feel when we're sleepy and we honor that sleepiness, uh, our body's telling us, oh, it's a yin time, it's time to go to bed. If we listened to our bodies more we wouldn't be able to take a lot of drugs that we do because we'd be like, this doesn't feel good. Or we couldn't eat a lot of foods, right? Um, a lot of the time we're only aware of how something kind of a food affects us here, right? But we don't feel it here, right? We, right. And something might taste good here, but if we actually listen to how it affects all of this, if we have deeper embodied awareness, we're not going to, it's not going to be as appealing to us to and, eat. And then you kind know, of what you're all getting, candy, you're getting yeah. to is, how to create that stillness in the mind yeah. that we can actually have the, the awareness of, of a lot of these things that we do every day. We're just, and, and again, I think we're all guilty to a certain level, but as I get older in my yin part of my life, this has become more and more and more prevalent, more awareness, more, you know, it's what I promote more. I never, I mean, way back in the day when we used to do training, it's all about like, Hey, let's, how hard can we work out? And, how perfect can we eat and how good can we look and this and that versus now it's like, wait a minute, you, you know, and I did bodybuilding for, you know, since 1985, 10 contests. And I realized very quickly that many of the bodybuilders are the most unhealthy human beings on the, in the world. 
because they didn't have any of the, you know, it was just look right. good. How fast can I look good? Right, look good from the outside, right. not feel good from the inside. And feel good from the inside. Yeah. And I realized way back at the, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, how can I be healthier and still maybe look better on stage? But this is not what's taught at all. And again, it's, it's yeah. like you just said, how do you, it's not just looking good, it's how do you feel good? Well, I mean, you asked me at the beginning of the conversation, sort of what, what are the differences between kind of modern Western medicine and sort of classical Chinese medicine? One big one, this is my contention, I, I just sort of wrote a, wrote a book about this. Uh, the biggest, perhaps, difference is that modern Western medicine is based on observing the body from a third-person perspective, like looking at the bodies of others through dissection, through various you know, medical imaging te- technologies. Chinese medicine is really based on high-level cultivators of embodied awareness who listened to their bodies from within and then from there derived all of these principles and even a whole kind of understanding of physiology based on listening to the body from within. So, you know, we have a kind of medical tradition that's based on looking at the body from the outside, which of course yields profound insights, right? Sure. I'm not saying that that's problematic in any way. Western science is incredible. But there's another side to being a body, which isn't just looking outside but listening within right and if we're interested in our own cultivating our own health and healing listening from within is essential because that's it's that's what really allows us to get more to the root of the issue you know we're talking about like branches and root um our bodies our bodies communicate with us you know and and if we listen deeply we can we can hear when our body sort of cries out in a subtle way, something's not quite right here. Something's not quite right. I have a little pain here. I have a little. It's you know, talking. Yeah, it's talking all the time. It's, all talking it's all dynamic, time. and mm-hmm. and uh, if we don't listen to that, or we repress and ignore what it's telling us, it's going to keep telling us. Right. Right. And we can even repress it for twenty years sometimes, especially <laughs> when we're young, you know. Right. But soon enough, it's that little subtle whisper is going to become a shout, and then we're going to have. We're going to be very, very sick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, I got acid reflux. Yeah. I'm going to take a Tums. I mean, come on. Right, right. right. But then down the road, you're going to have major. What's going on? Yeah. What's yeah, happening in the esophagus? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you're, you're talking about this, but I think sometimes when I look at, um, you know, listening to the body, there's so much going on in our world today about wearables. You know, it's an aura ring or, oh, right, or, you know, right. all this stuff. Yeah, that stuff's And so wild. I get so many questions when I'm speaking or training or whatever hey what about this and what about that heart rate variability you know this and that i go listen here here and i heard this on a podcast a while back and i thought this was interesting they didn't really frame it this way but think of your wearable as a training wheel it's just training wheels on your bike but you need to learn how to ride your bike that's great i like that you for example your heart rate you don't need to look at a watch you need to be able to kind of you know have the awareness of what is my heart rate and learning how that you can take it so simply in your carotid for, you know, 10 seconds, multiply it by six and away you go. You can get an idea, you know, what, what that looks like and feels like. Can you guess what your blood pressure is? Can you, can you guesstimate how many breaths you take per minute? So these are the things I try to teach my clients. I'm like, I want you to be aware of that. You know, I, you don't need a wearable to tell me you're getting much REM sleep. You know, what's yeah. the quality of your sleep? And they'll say, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know? Right. If you don't know, you're not 
paying attention. You're not paying attention. Yeah. And then you don't and need to look at a wearable to tell you that. And that wearable might be stressful. Right. Because you, you're not lining up to what the the norms per se. You know, are you dreaming? You know, w- are you in bed at the right? You know, the list goes yeah. on. So I really try to talk a lot about that, learning to listen to the body, that you this is a skill that you can acquire. Absolutely. So now you can be from second to second, minute to minute. Yeah. I'm aware that, you know, that there's something's whole, not right. Yeah, and there's a whole other dimension, which is the more we listen to our bodies, the more we really are listening to ourselves because our body gives us constant feedback about our interactions with others, how, how it feels and, you know, in the dynamic with someone, how we feel about ourselves. If we do, you know, I mean, even, right, our sense of our personal ethics and what's right for us. If we don't listen to our bodies, it's easier to not listen to those sorts of things. And I think probably you feel like this all the time, but I don't think people really take the time to create the stillness yeah. to to recognize that. And that to me, that's something that, you know, like I said at the very beginning with um, this, the CFO group, I don't think any of them, I mean, when I said right. intentional rest, it was like, I don't even know what that means. Right. I mean, well, you know, those folks are probably really very focused on changing the external world and less on changing the internal world. Mm -hmm. Thing is, if you don't know the internal world very well, it's um, arguably, you know, you're trying to change the external world, but you don't, you sometimes you don't even know why, <laughs> you know, sometimes you lose sight now we're of what's, what's really actually important in, in life. Right. You know, if you're not really listening to yourself right. and what you really want and what's important. And I think, you know, I think that conversation right life, there, yeah. I mean, that could be a, a day conversation, yeah. right? But I think it's really profound that you brought that up, that sometimes you have to step back and say, Hey, what am I really why am I chasing this or, and we all have had that, but I think sometimes for me, again, I'm the, the yin part of my life. I look at things differently. You know, if I had this conversation with myself when I'm 35, I don't know if I would have the, the same, you know, belief or awareness or whatever, or not want to versus, you know, it's hard to explain. I really like what you're saying of this, you know, and Eastern, you know, cultures that, that age is, is something they, you know, embrace Yeah. versus in our country, you know, we don't embrace it as much. And I think there's a lot to that. So, so as we wrap this up, I think this has been a, a very interesting, it's really engaging for me. I, hopefully the listeners and viewers will feel like there's some gold nuggets here, but if, is there anything you want to, as we wrap this up, and is there any kind of key points you would like to make or anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about? That's a good good question. Um, but the whole seasons of life, I just, I guess the big takeaway today is that just start recognizing that a little bit more and then embracing it. Absolutely. And, and yeah. not be shying away from it. Embracing it and and not being afraid to, you know, figure out what your own standards are for what what health means to you, mm-hmm. you know, and what you want out of health. Because often we operate according to standards for health that are maybe dictated from from the outside. But if we're if we're listening, right? If we're listening to ourselves, we're listening to our bodies, and we are recognizing that what it means for us to live a healthy life is relative to our particular stage in life. 
you know, we're gonna, we have more agency in a sense and, um, and we can kind of own it, you know, it's, it's ours in a different sort of way. You know, we're not, we're not just following, um, some, some kind of external standard, but we're like really owning that how we live our lives, um, and how we cultivate health. You know, and I think that's a good kind of ending because that's, that's kind of what we like to teach. We're not going to teach you a diet. We're not going to give you this and that. We want to help you learn how to pivot. It's your life. We're the tool. You're the hero. Yeah. But we I really want to. Yeah. We really <laughs> just want to help the help guide you. And that. And what you just kind of ended on is that people do have the power to feel their best. And that's one of our taglines we always use. But it's not coming from something else. It comes from internally. Absolutely. And then when people have some of these skills that you're sharing with today, it just keeps making life richer. And in much more, you know, uh, I love the whole idea of change because we're constantly in change. Yeah. And I think probably what you and I do is similar in the sense that we offer people tools to help them to to navigate the kind of the terrain of their own sort of healing journey. And because um, we're all on a journey because we're all on a journey. We're and all the on journey's a journey. going to change. It is definitely going to change. There's, that's the one I got, thing that I'm we know lined for up. Sure. I know where I'm going. I'm like, nah, that ain't going to happen. We're going to go over there for a little while and over here yeah, for a while. And, so I mean, and honestly, the more adaptable we are, right. the the more we can, you know, right. and that that's what flow. makes the, yeah. the flow good. So yeah. anyway, thanks for taking the time yeah, today. Pleasure. Um, pleasure. I hope you me. and I will have more conversations about this in the future. And uh, for those of uh, you out there, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us anytime at ontargetliving.com. We're here to help you. We're here to guide you. And we have a fantastic team that's uh, willing to help you in your journey. So everybody have a wonderful week, and um, we'll see you next time.